So start off by telling me, are you really fine? everyone and welcome to the episode of No Really I'm Fine. Thank you very much for staying with us or if you're new to us, thank you very much for joining. I'm joined by um, my lovely co-host today, Michael Pearson. Hi Michael, you okay? Yeah, I'm good. I'm just like, I've said to you before, I just woke up this morning and like, it sounds like my throat's closed over and it's like, and like, I'm just going to blame the weather. Yeah. Like people, like as we British do, like just blame the weather. Yeah. Right? Well, I was in just, London at the weekend and then I wore sandals today thinking, oh yeah, it'll still be warm and I'm freezing this morning. So. Wasn't it like, wasn't it like 30? <laughs> it was 33 degrees down oh, there on Saturday. God. The tube was just a nightmare. But. I couldn't even imagine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, Love Island. Right. I'm a Love Island virgin, shall we say. So I'm, I'm not too familiar with the the program in terms of episode by episode, although I am familiar with it as a as a concept. So it was exciting for us to have Gabby Allen on, um, wasn't it? So do you want to just talk me through Gabby and and the story, really? Yeah, if you don't know, Gabby Allen is a reality television star. She was on Love Island um, in 2017, I think. Goodness, imagine if that's wrong. Um, no, <laughs> but she um, was a finalist on the show, and she seems like a really weird choice for us to talk to on No Really I'm Fine because. She is someone who is, she's a fitness instructor. She's this vision of health and beauty and things like this. And people might go, well, why are you putting someone in front of me who is maybe in our eyes, someone who is is someone that is, you know, a, a vision to aspire to. And what is really interesting about this is you see into this world of reality television and actually how toxic it is and she talks about how toxic it is and talks about how bad it is for you know your your body image your mental health your and diversity as well so in this podcast we start by talking about her life story she's from Liverpool where we both live and um, talks about she went through a lot of hardship as a child she had scoliosis on her back and 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 had to she had to relearn how to walk and I thought it was really interesting hearing that personal side of stuff because that's but, not what you see on television is it no exactly um and you, you all that side of stuff and and then she goes in to talk about Love Island and we have a really good discussion about Body diversity, which I know people will really enjoy um, to listen to, I think, because I say it's not so much enjoy, but you will really have an eye opener about what goes on in those shows. It's interesting, isn't it? Because she sort of brings another side of the the debate to body diversity, because we've been very much talking about, um, you know, seeing people on Instagram and having the, having the perfect body image and mm. and. Um, to me, Gabby has got a great body, like a lovely body. And um, that's why maybe some people avoid watching Love Island because they don't want to see that on a day-to-day basis. However, in this episode, she actually doesn't like a body. Well, didn't like a body, did she at first? Mm. When she talks about like how yeah. some days she can wake up and look in the mirror and go, you know, I don't feel great and another day she'll be like I'll get my legs out today and I'll just I'll just go with it yeah. and like which is a really nice attitude to have like not I know not everyone like a big what I would say the big overriding for this episode is that she has sort of these feelings but not everyone is going to have them mm. so like you know what I would say is that when you're listening to this episode keep an open mind because there's a bit where she talks about fitness and for me that was an important question for me to ask because as us two know here I've been doing a lot to try and sort out my physical health because I've not been mentally well or physically well in terms of my body shape and, and size. Michael looks amazing by the way everyone. <laughs> I know you can't see him but um, he's he's lost so much weight and he, and he but, looks great yeah and, like, and it was I thought it was really interesting to talk to her about it because I have seen those benefits of you know of going out and just forcing myself to to have a healthier lifestyle and that's what she talks about a lot but i know can do that exactly and that was like that's the big point about this episode it's like i know people will listen to this episode and some people may come away feeling wow that was so eye-opening particularly into the the um the love island stuff because she talks about the aftercare stuff of love island Mm. and she talks about how when they did it when, when she did it, she had no aftercare. And that was so eye-opening. I literally listened to her. And I, was like, I, can't, she, I read her this statement from Love Island, which we prepared before. Yeah. And she said, do you know what? We, I could see her face just dropping. Mm. In, and she just went, we had none of that. Mm. And she says, imagine if we had that support. Because as we know, two contestants have taken their own lives. Yeah. And she said, 
if we had had that support, which she didn't actually say this, but you could you could see that she said, if I had had that support, it would have helped me get through a lot of financial difficulties. Yeah. So it was like, that was what was really interesting. But, you know, it should be an interesting listen. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And we're very interested to know what our listeners think on this one as well. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of No Really, I'm Fine. We're very lucky because we're joined by reality star Gabby Allen and she was a finalist on Love Island 2017. And since then you've been on Celebrity Big Brother and you've also launched a very successful fitness brand as well. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) And I'm really sorry that you've, I've just seen that you've just come back from Barbados and uh, and unfortunately the weather is really damp and dark, isn't it? Here? Yeah, it's okay. It's just so hot, isn't it? Yeah, to be fair... Barbados was raining the day I came home, so uh, sort of, same, same. Sort of brought you <laughs> back. Um, on today's episode, we're going to be having a really good discussion about reality television and all the positive and negative things that it might have for someone's health and well-being. Um, but we'll come to that in a moment. First of all, um, we always start by asking our guests, because we're called No Really I'm Fine, are you really fine today? Actually, I am, I am really fine today. I'm a bit stressed because... As we know, we got back from holiday yesterday and this week's really busy. Um, so my suitcase is probably going to stay unpacked for the next year. But yeah, no, I really am fine today. I'm having a good day. <laughs> That's good. I mean, I, I, I feel like when I come back from holiday, I just never unpack for about about two, three I know. Weeks. Yesterday I started doing the washing and my boyfriend was like, oh, do we have to do it today? And I'm like, if we don't do it today, it's never going to get done until the next time I go on holiday and I'll just basically have to wash all my pants and just throw it all back in. Now, our, our listeners can probably tell, and if they don't know, they can hear from your fantastic accent. There's a there's a Liverpudian twang in there, a bit of scouse in there. So, um, And the whole point of this series of what we're doing is that we're talking to people from all walks of life and all got different stories. So, I mean, you're a Scouser. It's where I live. I love living in Liverpool. I love it. And you're like, what What about for you? What did you love about growing up in Liverpool? Um, I love going back to Liverpool even now. Like I've lived in London for 10 years, but it's such, there's such a, um, like a family kind of feel when you go back. Like in London, I love London more than anything. Like I wouldn't ever move anywhere else, apart from maybe like abroad, but in the UK. Um, but... I love the fact that when you go back to Liverpool, whenever I, like, I'm walking down the road, people let on to you. And, you know, there's always that kind of like familiar, familiar, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, just like kind of a welcoming feeling from everyone up there. Um, and also it's a really good night out. So it is. <laughs> I, just, I, I was saying to one of my friends that I feel like since I've moved to Liverpool, I've like regressed to like my uni days. <laughs> Because we literally just go out every weekend. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, you can go out on a Thursday night, like, which is like student night or something. And like, all shots are like one pound. And you're like, yeah. So you think, oh, I'm not going to spend as much money because it's cheaper. But they end up spending probably more because you're like, I'll get 10 shots instead of one. Yeah, literally. Yeah, it's exactly <laughs> what happens now. Anyway, because you grew up in Liverpool, I mean, growing up is, is never, ever easy for anyone. Everyone has their own sets of problems and and. For you, I guess, for about the first sort of 20 years of your life, you know, it was, you, you went through quite a bit. Now, now what I'm talking about here is when you were 12, you um, had scoliosis, you had scoliosis and you've done a lot of work around awareness of that for kids and things like that. I just thinking, you know, how was it when you were 12 years old and you, that, that happened to you as a, as a young girl and, and, you know, you thought maybe... Your life could be over. Yeah, well... Not over, but... Yeah, yeah like, change. So I've, I've been a dancer since I was three. Um, so that was very much part of my growing up. Um, so a lot I would be at dancing five nights a week, or, right, at least four nights a week, because sometimes I used to miss a Wednesday on my private lesson and just bunk off. Um, but, yeah, so that was a lot of my... Um, discipline and I think that probably what stems the whole fitness thing as well um so when I when we found out that I had scoliosis when I was 12 was I 12 maybe I was I think that's maybe when I had my operation but when we found out anyway I always wanted to be a dancer all my life and when they told me that we would have I would have less mobility and less flexibility and all that I was like well that's my career over. And my dad was secretly like pleased about it because he wanted me to go to uni and do something academic. Whereas I was like, no, I'm going to be a star. Um, um, so 
yeah, that was like really difficult for me to come to terms with. But um, it turns out actually that a load of dancers do have it because I like say, for example, my left side's a lot stronger, like a lot more flexible. So I'd always be doing tricks and stuff on my left. So then your right side goes a little bit not as strong. So then it can kind of push as as t- teenagers and young children were growing all the time, aren't we? So um, apparently a lot of dancers have it because one side of your body can be stronger than the other and it like kind of pushes things out of the way as you're growing. But um, I kind of just took it on board and within six months of having my operation, I was back into dancing. Because you had to relearn how to walk, is that right? Yeah. So my, the top, um, the whole middle of my back is fused. So I've got, well, not all of it fused, but there's some vertebrae fused together and I've got um, two rods in my back and nuts and bolts from like 18 inches from the top to the bottom. Um, And yeah, I just remember, I remember waking up and literally feeling like a plank of wood. So when they used to try and sit me up in the bed, I'd be like, you, try, you know when you try and snap a ruler in school and it has no give in it at all? That's what it was like. Like, I felt like I was going to snap in half. So that was really difficult. And then, yeah, I had to learn how to, like, use my legs again and stuff. But I think the dancing did help me because I was already quite strong. Um, so it came back to me quickly. And as soon as I could, I was back in dancing. And was it that determination to just get you back in that sort of drove you there? Well, the surgeon said to my parents, they were like, as soon as you know, the, the sooner she gets back into it, the better really, because it, you're, otherwise, I, I think what he was trying to say is that if you leave it for too long, she might not want to go back or, you know, she might lose the the spark for it. But I don't think that was ever going to happen. Um, within, yeah, within six months I was back in and I won like a ballet championship within the year. So, I mean, nothing was stopping me. I lost a little bit, I've lost some flexibility in my back. Like I can't do... I can only do the crab now through flexibility within my shoulders and hips. Yeah. Um, so I'm still working on the crab. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I think it just gave me more of a kick up the arse really to, it's not going to beat me. When that was happening, you sort of thought, you know, this is my big moment of the sort of pullback during my teenage, young yeah. young years. But when you were 20, you obviously had the unimaginable happened to you um your your dad had cancer and and it was a brain brain cancer is that correct yeah Yeah, and and you know that must have been a huge hit on your mental well-being yeah the see my dad was like the strongest person ever and literally physically and and mentally um he would he was just like, you know, one of those wind up merchants that I'd be like, ah, oh, like I've, I've done this. Like, um, and he'd be like, how did you do that? And I'd tell him, like, say if I like twisted my ankle or something, he'd be like, well, you won't do that again, will you? And, you know, he's like one of those people that just doesn't let you ever like really fall. He's like, you know, um, he was always so positive. And even through his illness, um, it was, all, maybe it was denial at first, but it was always, he would never admit defeat until right till the very bitter end. Um, so, I was, I'm kind of similar to him. My mum always says that I'm more similar to him than my brother is because I'm quite, quite mentally strong when it comes to like, I am sensitive as we all saw on Love Island and Big Brother when I just cried the whole time. (laughs) But as in like, um, I can, I think I overthink things, but it also makes me like mentally stronger. Um, But yeah, it was, it was difficult because I was in my last year of drama school too. So I was trying to like get the best possible grades and get the best agent and all that. Um, so that was kind of difficult. So once again, within two, um, within like two or three weeks of the funeral, I went back to college because I was like, he would be sat there at home going, why are you sat at home? Like, you know, just sat here whining about me not being here. Get back into college and like show me what you're made of. That's what he'd be. So I think it was the battle between grief but also wanting to be strong. And it affected, I think it's affected my most, my mum most out of the family. Um, so I think the aftermath of it has been almost harder, maybe not harder, but still as difficult as when we actually lost my dad because the effect that it's had on family life afterwards has been quite scary. When you saying that you went back to, 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 to uni like two weeks later, did you find that that maybe you pushed aside some feelings or do you think it was a way? To- yeah. So it's funny you say that actually. 
Um, it, and, and also it's funny because when you're, I haven't thought about this for ages. So now I'm actually Sorry. like going, no, 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 <laughs> going back into it. So I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. So I, when I went back to college, it was obviously a, a D like coping mechanism. Um, and throw myself into something the same as same way with the scoliosis thing, throw yourself into something and then you'll get over it. And then it was only when I had a boyfriend at the time who wasn't particularly great. Um, but, never I, are, are they? Um, but I think I almost like had him as a safety net because we'd broken up before, but then when he came back to me because my dad was ill, I was like, oh, well, at least there's some security there. So I think I kind of just transferred all my love and grief and everything onto him so it was only when me and him broke up that I actually really like lost my shit <laughs> um that was it took it I, I went traveling to find myself and all this I like I put on quite a bit of weight because I lost quite a bit of weight when my dad was sick um and then yeah when I left college I was like I didn't really know what I was doing with myself and I think it, it probably all stems back to that I didn't really deal with it properly um and it was only when I really found um, a career that I wanted to stick to, I, that I was good good at and wanted to stick to that I feel like I actually got over that whole three years of shite <laughs> well no you you are right because you know I I you know when I when I've had grief it's just sort of been sorry similar like just throw myself straight back in mm. and you're right and sometimes you do have to sort of go and have a moment where you just go and travel if you can you yeah. know, and things like that and it brings something new so to. my brother he's three years younger than me and I think I was already 21 by the time my dad had passed away but Ethan was 18 so he was doing his like what is it A-levels, A-levels yeah. Yeah, yeah so it was basically he is so amazing for what he's been through and like where he is now in his life and I look at him and I'm like the fact that he did that without my dad is like insane but he's the same. He like, he's doing it for the sole purpose of wanting to make my dad proud. Um, and I think it almost made us both even a little bit more driven because we feel like we've got something to prove. It's such a lovely way to think of it, isn't it? It's just, uh, you know, not, I know that not everyone can, I know not everyone who'll be listening to this podcast can do that, but if you can find that little bit of hope to hang on, it's yeah. great, isn't it? Yeah. And like to, because obviously we've only got my mum left. So to make her proud is like the biggest factor. Do you know what I mean? Like Ethan and my mum, obviously they would have been important to me anyway, but I think with my dad passing away, it's even they're even more important to me. So when something is affecting them, like my brother's just had a big exam last week and I couldn't stop thinking about it because I, I wanted him so hard like to do well. Um, so fingers crossed he passed. Fingers crossed. Fingers yeah. crossed. Now, just slightly moving on to the next couple of years after that, and you, um, how old were you when you went on to Love Island? Sorry, twenty five. Twenty five. Mm-hmm. So, the when you went on to Love Island, you were doing a bit of work as a fitness instructor and things mm-hmm. like that. And you know, for you, and you've talked about being a dancer and things like that, has been staying in shape always been really important to you. So, I've had a little bit of a weird relationship with food over the years. Because when I was in, obviously, drama school, you have to have your hair and makeup done at eight o'clock every morning. Yeah, I went to, I went to drama Did school. Did you? Yeah, so, yeah, I know what you mean. Oh, my God. And ballet was at um, eight o'clock. Was it eight, eight o'clock? On the you went eighth, to the time you continue, continue. Is it, eight, it is eight in the morning, it's isn't it? It's first thing. Yeah. Almost every day on the top floor of the building, and you're not allowed to use the lift. So... I would have to get up that extra bit early on the ballet days to, to to get my hair in a bun. Otherwise, you weren't allowed to do ballet. So some days you just wouldn't do your hair. So you'd be like, I'm not going. I'm just like pretending that I haven't done my hair. And red lipstick on. And so you always had to try and look your best. And the fact of the matter is, it's that whole saying, tits and teeth. People in drama school, I found that like, if you're pretty and if you look good, then you're more likely to get noticed then you know and that's not always the case and sorry correct me if I'm wrong but like it helps no and it's so interesting because for next for the series two I'm actually going to do something a feature on drama schools and things Mm. like this because you are so so right it is worse than anything else that you have to have this huge image and if you're not that image you've got no chance so it was like if you'd you were either really good looking and you'd get like you know the 
and I'm, I'm just, I was about to say, I got good parts, but I don't think it's because of that. Well, but it obviously helps, but it's like you fit into categories, like good looking people. So you get like the um, main parts that are all like, you know, the princes and princesses and that, or you're a character. So then you're like funny looking or you're bigger or things like that. So then if you're in between the two, you're like, I don't really know where I am. Like I, I need to be prettier to be the main part or I need to put on 300 pounds and be the fat lady who sings. So... Um, not only that, I also threw, like, there was, I remember one time we, you, at the end of each term, you'd have like a meeting with your teachers. And I remember my ballet teacher saying to me, um, you've lost a bit of weight. It looks good. And you know, you're like, oh yeah. And it obviously what's that saying? Nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. But when someone like re- instills that in you you're like oh well I obviously need to be thinner then because I look better thinner so that was in my mind through drama school and then and all of us were like it though some days we'd we'd have like fat Fridays but then on Monday we'd all feel so bad about it so then we'd like to starve ourselves and eat carrots all like all day things like that it is it is a constant battle between wanting to enjoy and then trying to look the best you know when you've got that institution around you I, I don't really want to go into it but I that's what I left drama school for very oh, really? similar reason and I remember these places used to do cheese toasties and like I'd be the only person who'd ever go and get cheese toast oh my god and like it was just like and it is it is it is really interesting to hear that it's such a bad place to be for mental health yeah and also because um between I was 18 to 21. So everyone else is at uni or my mates are at uni or, you know, it's like the fun, like fun time too. Um, but then I'd have friends that like, there was one girl who me and her were always opposite each other's and like on the stage, I'd be right and she'd be left. And we were like in the um, set one. So we were like the, the better, best dancers almost. But she had, the, she still has the most amazing body, but she didn't drink. She didn't really eat crap and all this. Whereas me and her sister would be like, Woo! let's go out and then I'd I'd say something about my weight and she'd be like well if you cut out the alcohol then you wouldn't um you know you it'd fall off you or something like that and you know when you're like listen I like to have a good time so I'm not gonna drink give up that five pound bottle of rosé wine from Tesco thank you um but it is like I constantly have that battle between yeah wanting to have a good time and wanted to be thin and that touch on that in my book actually and it's really interesting because that fits it's very nice segue into my next question i mean in that do you think being fit is the be all and end all because everyone's physical you know everyone is different and being physically fit can be really hard in terms of a mental health challenge for some people you know personally i've i've had days where i've been so crippled by anxiety that i've just not been able to get out of bed. So what happens then if, yeah. if you know, do you, if, if you can't be that person that goes to the gym, you know, is being fit the be all and end all? You know what? I have to just say that even, even someone that goes to the gym all the time, like today, I'm going to, I've got my legs out today. I actually feel good about myself today, which is surprising because I was telling you, I literally ate 300 carbs last night. Like it was not okay. But, um, I think even, if you're someone that goes to the gym, you still have days where you're like, for God's sake, I've been going to the gym five days a week for a month and I still feel like shit. But then there's other people that feel like that every day. And I think I tend to find that I've worked out this morning for an hour and a half and or maybe an hour and 15. Um, and I know that I feel better for it. But then there are times where you don't. But I think it definitely goes hand in hand. People that exercise... Because it is, it's actual like physically proven because you re, you release all the endorphins. The endorphins? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then it's just the like, there are times where you do like an hour of abs and then you look in the mirror and you don't have abs and you're like, I don't understand. I've just like been killing myself, but they're not there yet. But realistically, over a long term, it should help. Now, I should say you you have a um, a new sort of, it's it's a food and workout book in one as well. Yeah. And um, it's called Shape Up with Gabby Allen. Yeah. And <laughs> um, now on the front of the book, it says uh, fast food and dynamic workouts. Mm-hmm. And then it's like transform your body in four weeks. So is the, I'm, I'm guessing, because we've been talking for a while, this is not a 
quick fix. No. You know, body in four weeks type of thing. No. You know. We're not going to be Victoria's Secret models within four weeks. No. Guys. Um, it's more of a lifestyle change. Like this is the main thing that I wanted to, the point I wanted to get across. So as we've found out, I like to go out and stuff and I like to socialize and I like to do all that kind of things. A lot of PTs and fitness instructors would be like, you ha- can't do any of this fun stuff because you will never lose weight. But I don't even think it's about the losing weight thing. It's about having the balance within your life to be able to enjoy it as well as feeling good inside and out. So the four week plan is there to obviously get you moving if beginners or advanced people, because you can make any exercise more difficult or less difficult, but it's mainly, mainly the food element of the book because there's some of my favorite recipes in there, which like, for example, the pancakes, I wouldn't say eat them every day, but they are a healthier version of pancakes that you'd get in like the breakfast club. But they also, you don't feel bad after having them. So it's like the, you can enjoy something as well as like it being good for you. Um, And then it's just about refueling mind and body. Like I've got all my like tips in there on what I do on a daily basis or like, but it's just, it's more about a lifestyle change. Like you should be able to use the book and the recipes for a prolonged period rather than just four weeks. Um, and I just want people to like enjoy feeling healthy. That's the main thing. That's, yeah. Isn't it's, it? Yeah, it's all right. Cause I don't, I, you know, do you think that these sort of, you see these all the time, these sort of four, five, six week transformation yeah. stuff. And, you know, and I know the, the personal trainer that I go to, they offer that, yeah. but like they, they sometimes say it's not always the best idea, yeah. is it? Because the thing is, is that four week plans, if you cut out everything that you're currently doing and your body goes into shock and starvation mode, basically. Obviously you're going to lose weight in the four weeks, but then once, once that four week plan's over and you basically throw the book away, what happens then? It's more about changing things on a day-to-day level, which is doable for the foreseeable future. Like I want to be able to eat pasta on a night out. I don't want to like be kicking myself. Do you have pasta on a night out? I'm like, God, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like for dinner, like I think, I think, um, I remember once I was training this lady and she messaged me going, oh my God, I've just, had, like, I think it was Mars or something like that. Um, and she, she was actually like really got anxiety about it. And I was like, mate, just enjoy the frigging Mars bar. Eat another one if you want to eat it. Like, if you're going to do something, enjoy it with whole heart. Because if you get knocked over by a bus tomorrow, you're not going to regret eating the frigging Mars bar. You know what I mean? Like, it's, you just have to enjoy everything and then just make up for it the day after. Do an extra frigging burpee. It's just a Mars bar. You know what I mean? So now we're going to talk about Love Island. And I know Love Island seems to be the centre of everyone's universe at the moment in the UK. Because <laughs> I know it is because we've got work group chats for like Love Island helpline and things like that. So I know it's there. But I know the show has come under fire many times in the last few years, mainly around diversity, body image and the way that it's handled aftercare when Islanders have left the villa. And, and you know, we know that two of the former contestants have, have taken their lives in separate instance after being on the show. And obviously we're not suggesting that it was to do with the show, mm-hmm. but, you know, um, but what I'd like to do first is talk about body image. Uh, because I know in 2019, we celebrate every shape and body size and everything. And, you know, do you think there is actually good body diversity on Love Island? I think they, they're trying this year, maybe more than other years. Um, I think it's a very difficult one because you're never going to keep everybody happy. And that is just the top and bottom of it. Like the show is intended to be a, glamorous show that people want like I remember like I've read something it was like people want to be the people that are on Love Island and then and then people like so what so that's why they're not putting like more diversity on there because doesn't everybody want to be like skinny and tall and big boobs and long hair and all that and I think as I said yeah you can't keep everybody happy like they've put in a girl I think her name's Anna this year and she's curvy um she's more voluptuous than I would, I would love to be like that, but I will never ever be like that. Um, but then the other contestants in there, but then people are like, but she's had a BBL, so that's not curvy. 
And so this is exactly the thing. It's like they've tried to put more like, you know, body types in there, but then someone else is complaining that she's not natural. So how's that diversity? So do you think that maybe the producers have, I'm not saying that they do, but they, they could be a way that they, they, they see women to be portrayed on the show that you think that maybe they have a set brand and that's what they're going for. Yeah. If I'm honest with you. Um, may, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I just think that like, yeah, they have, it, they want it to be a glamorous show where everybody's beautiful and everybody's got abs and pecs. <laughs> um, because I just think that they, they're probably thinking that the people that go in there, they're all more likely to fancy each other if they all, if they're all quite similar. Do you know what I mean? Um, and like, how can someone not fancy a page three model or how can someone not fancy a fitness model? You know, whereas like some people's types aren't that. So that's kind of difficult, but then I suppose they're trying. And so how did you feel when you went in there? Did you but then, so that I actually, sorry, I actually spoke about this on my Instagram a few weeks ago because there's diversity in like there's bigger people and then there's thinner people, but then there's someone like me who's obviously, yeah, I'm a slim person, but I don't have big boobs and I don't have a little waist or, you know, I'm not necessarily skinny. And I'd like to think I'm athletic, um, but like a slim person. But I felt like I was um, lesser or like more, less attractive than the other girls in there because I didn't have the long extensions or the big boobs, fake or real. I, did, I, I think I saw somewhere that you said, I think you've said previously that, that you said that going in there made you feel like you needed to have like a boob job. Or something. Oh God, yeah. I'm still considering it. Like I literally, I go from week to week. I'm like, yeah, going to get it done. And then a week later, I'm like, no, I'm not going to get it done. Because I, so I did exactly the same thing with hair extensions when I first came out. I've had extensions in the past, but when I was in there, I had like short hair, um, but when I was in there, I didn't feel as feminine as everybody else because they all had, all had this bloody hair that was flowing in the wind and I just had this like long bob. Um, straight away, I came out, got extensions. Absolutely hated them, took them out within a couple of weeks. So I'm like, but what if that happens with boobs? What if I get like a boob job? And then I'm like, actually, this doesn't suit me. And then I get them taken out. It's like you always, it made me feel like I needed to be a certain way to be more attractive because I felt like none of the boys fancied me because they'd fancy like other girls over me that I didn't have what they had, things like that. Because before going in there, I was quite confident in myself. But like, you know, I've got a great group of friends and family around me. Like they, before going in, I was pretty much like really body confident. Like I I was the fittest I'd, I'd ever been because I'd been training more than ever. Not because of Love Island, because it was my job. Um I, you know, I hadn't had trouble getting a boyfriend before, you know. And then I went in there and I literally, like, no one was interested in me. So I was like, oh my God, it's because I'm now in this new world. Because all my friends are very normal. We go, like, we go to Shoreditch and trainers and baggy t-shirts and things like that. And then I went in there and everyone was so glam. I was like, oh, so in this world, I'm not attractive. Um, So it did, it shook me when I was in there. I think everybody, even now to this day, people are like, I really felt for you on Love Island when you cried because you didn't have big boobs. And I'm like, get. But, but that's such an, an awful thing. Is I don't know. Is it? You know, it's just an awful way that, that this has been made you feel like this. I know. It was, it, it was really difficult when I was in there to be around like amazing, beautiful people all the time and have nobody. It sounds so shallow, but like when nobody fancies you in there, but the top and bottom of it is, that is what Love Island is. Like you, you go in there and first and foremost, you're judged on the way you look. Like that is what it is. Like as soon as you go in, everybody's called to the, you've had a two minute conversation with someone and then you're called to the beach hut and it's like, so what do you think of that person? And it's obviously on first impressions and looks. And when nobody likes you because you don't have the same features as as other people, you start thinking, okay then, well, when I get out, I'm having a transformation. And that is me as a slimmer person. So that's what I was talking about with diversity. Like did there you, is different types too. Do you know what I mean? And did you think, did when, you know, obviously you, you signed up to do the show for a reason. Did mm-hmm. you, did you actually think that was going to happen to you when you went in? I think, well, I was meant to go in as original cast. So the first lineup, um, but then they held me back. They swapped me and Amber basically. Amber was meant to be a bombshell and I was meant to be original. And then they swapped us. Um, 
And I think if I would have gone in as an original, I would have been more confident in there. But it was also the fact that I felt completely left out with the girls. Um, I'm quite a headstrong person, but when you're surrounded by 15 other headstrong people, it's quite hard to get your point across. And when I went in day five or day six, whenever it was, and they'd already meet these bonds and the girls were very like, they're all lovely and I'm friends with them now and stuff, but intimidating to walk into. Um, and then the boys were already coupled up with all these girls that I was absolutely nothing like. And it was a t- it was same for time that we walked in with. She She's absolutely stunning, but she's not skinny. She's like a curvy girl and she didn't get a look in with anyone because, and she was like, it's because I'm not skinny. So it was both of us were in the same boat. We were like, and luckily like me and Marcel hit it off. So I was on, I had a better like go at it than time did. But both of us were like, shit, nobody fancies us because we're not skinny with big tits. And it sounds awful because we, the, the, the overriding point is the violent, uh, in, in another sense, do you think that it actually allows us to, to see these sort of things and have that debate to say, okay, that's not okay. These types of things that we see on the show, it yeah. exposes them to not be okay. Do you think? Yeah, I think... I think, well, the main feedback that I got from being on the show is that people that have similar bodies to me are all like, yes, small boob gang, you know, thank you for giving me confidence to, in my small boobs, you know, not all of us have to have big tits and all that. And I think it, it's, it's gone, there is two ways about it. Some people are like, oh, so everybody on Love Island looks like that and everybody fancies them. So that must mean I have to look that certain way. But then there's other people that are like, why does everybody look like that? We should have like, and they're like fighting for the other kind of cause. You know what I mean? Like, I think this industry, this society that we're in at the moment, yeah, Love Island is one kind of thing, but on the outside of Love Island, we're getting plus size mannequins. We're getting all that. So the thing, I think there's both situations going on. But yeah, and 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 what it's doing is saying that, I, what in a sense it's saying that some of the things that are on the show are wrong. Are they, do you think that the show holds its hand up and say, well, sometimes we realise this isn't reality? Um, or do you think it should? <laughs> um, I don't, I think, I do, you know what I think it is? I think that Love Island just don't necessarily think about that. Like as in, I don't think they're um, setting out to hurt anyone or upset anyone when it comes to that thing. I think they're just trying to get as many viewers on the show as possible. So the better looking in their eyes that the people are, the more viewers they're going to get. So do you think they could do more for body diversity and, and image on the show? Yeah, I think they, I think we could have more, yeah, more like curvier girls in there at the moment. I think everybody in there right now, apart from Anna, is like a size six, eight. I would be able to borrow their clothes. My ass is too big. <laughs> I'd be like, excuse me, can we get some bigger shorts in here? <laughs> and and as we're a mental health podcast, it would be wrong of me not to ask, are programmes like Love Island generally not a great thing for people's well-being? So I am forever grateful for Love Island because it's changed my life. And without the opportunity, I would I would not be where I am today. I wouldn't be doing this podcast with you if I hadn't done Love Island. You know what I mean? Um, so I think overall for me, it's been an absolute blessing. But I think, so for example, this year, Lucy is crying all the time. And people are like, why is she crying all the time? Like, mm, yeah, like moaning about it. Or then people, even Amy, she isn't my favourite contestant on there, but there's certain behavioural like, you know, she's focusing a lot on Lucy's behavior and then like people are doing weird things. And I'm like, everybody just needs to take a step back because you do not know how intense it is in there. Like it is, you're in a, a villa with these people that you didn't know two weeks ago, all day, every day. If you don't like any of them, then you're pretty much fucked and you just have to make deal, like make do with it. I didn't, I didn't get on with everyone in my year really, but I was until the end because you're like that in the toilet every night. <laughs> breathe just another day um so uh, it's very intense when you're in there and then when you come out of there you are then hit by this whirlwind of publicity that you've gone from not having before to you know you're in the limelight so when this pap sat outside your house and you get pap like this 
And you're like, great. <laughs> you know, like you go from not having that to having that. And it is a lot to deal with. So when you walk, next time I walked out my house, I'd have to walk out like this. Even if I've just had an argument with someone, I'm walking out my house like this every day. Yeah. And it is, um, the first six months of me being out of Love Island were complete blur because, and also I was with, I was with Marcel at the time. And I remember I used to come home. Both of us used to come home. um, And some days be like, because we lived separately at the time. We were like, I don't even, I can't even be asked to come and see you because I don't want to talk to anybody. I've been like this all day being like this. Oh, you're so nice. Oh my God, it's so nice to meet you. It's so nice. Thank you for meeting you. Oh, you know, taking pictures with people. And it is, uh, once again, so grateful. But then you get home and you're like a zombie. You're completely stripped of all emotion because you've, you have to keep up this persona every single day because if you don't, then people like, she's a miserable cow. She wouldn't get a selfie with me. You're constantly getting judged all day, every day. And this is a lot why the show's come under fire because I believe that in the previous years there hadn't been that am- amount of aftercare. And what I'll do just before you reply, we did speak to ITV's PR team because we're a news organisation and we should, of course, keep things balanced. And um, they um, did want to come on the show and chat, but they said um, the production team has continued to evolve their processes with each series as the show's popularity has risen and the social media and attention with the Islanders has increased. The key changes are this year for this series are enhanced psychological support, more detailed conversations with potential Islanders regarding the impact of participation on the show, bespoke training for all Islanders on social media and financial management, and a proactive aftercare package, which extends our support to all Islanders following their participation. Now that's basically what they've said about this year. And, I'm like, and excuse me, and <laughs> can you at, help me? <laughs> did, and and I, by, the, by the looks of that, did you know, what aftercare treatment did you get? Was it anything like that? Well, first of all, that sounds fantastic. Yeah. And uh, no, I didn't get any of that. I didn't, babe, my tax return was so late. I got charged like over a thousand pounds because I was like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Like it was, I went from earning on paper, like 12 grand <laughs> the year before I went on Love Island and then coming out and obviously earning a lot more. And it's amazing, but I don't like. I didn't know what to do with myself. Like, thank God I've got like my mom who was like, "Right, Gabby, you need to make sure that you put an X amount aside each time you get paid." Things like that. Um, but I also think that this is a very important point to make with the financial side of things. There's so many of us now in Love Island, or like that have come out of it, and the fight is to stay relevant and still making money. And I think that is one of one of people's biggest problems when you come out is that I was very lucky because I had my fitness anyway so before I went into Love Island I already had a career that was going like that and I had longevity in it so when I came out I was like well obviously I'm just going to keep doing what I was doing before because I love it and it's I actually have knowledge in it whereas I've even spoken to um, Islanders from the year after me and they're like Gab what should I do like should I do a hair um, hair extension thing or should I do makeup or should I do this or should and I'm like I don't so know they were coming to you yeah but I've been asked like I don't, what do you think I should do and I'm like I don't know you need to find something that you good at like there's people that like for example Kaz she's doing the makeup side of things so which she was doing really well with before so she's still once you find a niche but a lot the thing is is that if you don't have that and you a lot of people Basically, the point I'm trying to make is, is that if you go in there thinking when I come out of here, I'm going to make millions of pounds and my life's going to be changed and that like, you know, I'm made, you're wrong. You need to have a backup plan or a niche that you're going to stick to because if you come out and you don't make all that money that you think you're going to make, you're, the mental the mental capacity that takes to deal with that is so difficult. And I think that's what... um. You know, for example, Mike that was on um, the show, he came out and you're doing PAs, you're getting like two grand a PA and you're doing, you know, all this stuff. But then once that stops and, you know, you also have a new lifestyle and that, like you're going out a lot, you've, you're buying nice things, you're doing things like that. Once that stops, that, then what happens? You know, if you haven't put your, luckily Mike put his money into something, but I think he was also apparently in debt with things and stuff like that, which if you're not getting this income that you had before, the pa- imagine that, imagine the panic of that. 
Like, and have, you, have you ever had a big worry about something about, you know, what do I do after? Because yeah. it sounds like the support wasn't there for you at the time. I think the thing is, when it comes to the support system there, is that I think if I was to call and ask to see someone... They'd be there. They'd be there. Yeah. And since all the tragic passings that we've had, mm. um, I have been reached out to a couple of times, um, which is fair enough. But then people are like, it's too late. It's too late. But then I'm like, the thing is, guys, is that if I was having really bad thoughts and if I wanted to talk to someone, ITV are probably not going to be the people I'm going to call. It's probably going to be my mum or my mates or probably people don't want to talk about it. That's why bad things happen because people don't talk, isn't it? Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, if the, if I wanted to talk to them, then I could have done. But all the other things like the financial advice, the social media advice, all that stuff would be very helpful, would have been very helpful for me because I'm still learning now. Like I, when I first came out, I was doing all these, like, it was so weird for me, like doing all these different dresses, like three times a day, like standing there in a different outfit. Um, And it was just so, like, so weird for me. I was going from posting fitness videos to posting like different dresses and it's just your whole life changes and I some people don't know how to deal with it I was lucky that I've had to like evolve from it kind of thing with it but now that they have that hopefully there won't be any more more bad things yeah so sorry I'm obviously very passionate about it I'm like <laughs> no no definitely like I think it's so important and like and I would just before I, I don't want to talk about Love Island for the whole of this thing so you know what do you think producers uh, could improve on? We we want this to be a safe space, so please feel you know free to say whatever or as little as you can. What do you think? You know that that I know they, we've just read that statement, but what do you think that the general opinion to improve on would be going forward? I think I suggested I think to someone that we should do like meetups, like Love Island meetups. You know where um, I think after. Um, the last um, death that we had, there should have been, there could have been a, um, a place for, you a all place to for us all to go. Place, yeah, yeah, at the same time, maybe, because I think maybe more people would be inclined to go if there was others there. Whereas a lot of people would be like, oh, I can't, I can't be asked to go in on my own. Like, you know, I'm fine kind of thing. Um, no, really, I'm fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, but then I think I said that to one of the producers and he was like, but Gab, do you reckon people will come? Um, but I also think that that all that stuff that the New Islanders are going to get, we should have had. Like, it actually makes me a little bit jealous because I'm like, and there was also times where, what did I say? I think I said to my mate, my best mate lives in Canada and we were like talking about going traveling. And I remember saying to her like, if it all goes tits off, I'm just going to take all my money out and go traveling and just disappear. Because there was one point where I was just like, I just I can't deal with this right now. Because as I said, you're getting judged every single day. And there's some people that don't like you and you get abuse and all that crap, which I think is the main thing. The hardest thing to deal with for me is the trolling mentally. Like the reading of comments mm. kill kills me and that's interesting because it takes me very it's like there's such so good you're so great at segues <laughs> is um is one question that um Gemma who's um our host wanted to ask so she really wanted to ask you about what is your relationship with social media because I know she has and I do I think everyone does has this horrible relationship with social media and one episode we did someone said about filtering their Instagrams and things like that so they've just got positive vibes in there and so the people they're following are pure you know, things like that. I'm not saying that's the same with you, but you know, what is your relationship with social media? You know, that's a, that's a really long winded question, isn't it? So, uh, I, I've, my life basically revolves around social media and I try as much as I can to get myself off it. Um, you know, actively putting my phone down and reading a book rather than sitting there on it for 300 hours. Um, I think everyone is obsessed with how many likes you get. And if you, do, I know that if I don't get a certain amount of likes within a certain amount of time, I will archive the post and repost it. Really? Yeah. Because it's just the, I I go on a lot of influencer trips, right? And I know the way other influencers talk. Like people are like, oh, she's got a million followers, but she's only getting 6,000 likes on the pictures. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's awful. Like, and like, that sounds, not all of them are like that. That's, no, that no, was no, really yeah, bitchy yeah, that for is, me. That is very generic, but yeah, I, but I, get, you get, you, I get you mean. It's very like, you, people are obsessed. And then I, I spoke to like a brand and I was like, oh yeah, you know, likes. And she was, and she went, not once do I ever call someone, someone's agent and be like, how many likes did you get in the photo? It's all about engagement wise. Um, so then people get obsessed over like, oh my God, the engagement for like, that picture was shit. So I need to like repost it. But yeah, basically it's all about if you've got the most followers, then you're obviously better. And that's, that's the kind of view I get from it. Like I will go to an event and someone will be like very interested in talking to me. And then someone will walk in through the door with 8 million followers. And then they'll be like, Gabby, I'll, I'll be back in a minute. And then they'll go and talk to the person with 8 million followers because they're obviously so much better of a person than you are. Um, but whatever about all that crap, the main thing for me is horrible comments. Like on, on Instagram, um, if someone I've taken to, if someone sends me a direct message, give me abuse, I'll just tell them to fuck off. <laughs> normally I'll be like, oh my God, you're such a nice person. Thank you so much for sharing your opinion with me. Now go fuck yourself and block them because it makes me feel like really strong for that minute. And and I know that, so I, I know that in our world, if we get abuse on our brand pages, like say the, the Liverpool Echo, the Daily yeah. Mirror gets a, abuse on a post, the general advice is sometimes to ignore it. Yeah. And as, and, that, and you know, I guess you can't do that. Oh my God. Well, my boyfriend, I do ignore a lot of them, but my, and my boyfriend, I'll share him and he will actively just block the person for me. And then I'll go back onto my blocked accounts and I'll unblock them and then send them a message and then block them. It depends what they say. Like there was one, one guy sent me this, like something about my, my boobs. I, I put up a picture and, and he messaged me and it was like a man with like pictures of him and his like young daughter on there. Basically going, calling me a geezer. Right. Cause I've got no, cause I, I don't even have no boobs. I've got small boobs. Anyway. And I just sent him back this message being like, I think his name is Tony. I was like, Tony, I really hope that you, um, your daughter never finds out that you've been abusing other young women like this. And I hope you don't have any sisters or you're not, or your mom ever finds out that you've been treating some other, I just laid into him because I was like, you fucking arsehole. Like what if your daughter grows up and she's got like small boobs, are you going to call her a geezer? Mm -hmm. And I basically just called him a knobhead and put it on my story and he got, so much shit from everybody else because I thought you know what you can't just go around being that mean to be I was actually so upset about it um and then but then there's other things like daily mail comments are the worst of the worst like um whenever there's like bikini pictures of me on the daily mail or something um people will be like oh she needs to stop bench pressing she bench presses lorries oh my god she's like got no pancake day that's what people like to say she's got no boobs and all this and I'm like okay so if I have my boobs done I will get shit for that because now I'm just the same as the rest of them. If I didn't work out, then I would I, like, I have to work out to stay, like stay slim. It's, it's, I know, I don't know. It's not your job, but it's a big part because you, you, it's um the fit app with yeah. two I's and a T, isn't it? Oh my so, God. Fit app is like, I'm so proud to be working with them. It's actually yeah. amazing. And we're going to take over the world. Um, But yeah, it's just, you know, you can't, it's the same with Love Island. You can't please everybody. Like I, I'm not dead skinny and I'm not, like got all voluptuous or anything like that. But I'd like to think that I give off a good, like other, other comments. Let's just give a, like a hey uh, to the good comments because there are amazing people also that say great role model for young women that don't have to look a certain way and all that. So there are some people that do have your back, but there are a lot of keyboard warriors that just need to. Have, have you ever been given any advice, you know, professionally for about just how to deal with them? Because I mean, I would have a clue. No, I mean, well, my manager's amazing. He, he would like, if I've got a problem with something, then he will tell me how to handle it. And usually he's, I mean, every time I've had to handle something, he's been amazing. Um, I, I think it's just trial and error, really. Like, you know, sometimes you'll tweet something and people don't like what you tweet and then you get a load of abuse for that. And um, no, and I need social help. <laughs> do you think the positives of social media outweigh the negatives or do you just think... I mean, for you, it's it's a big part of, of, I guess, how you make an income and a living as well. So The positivity, what you said before about, you know, I've unfollowed quite recently quite a few people that when I see their pages, not necessarily it makes me feel like shit, but like there are certain things 
when I've been in like a bad body day or something, I will, and then someone comes up on my screen and they're six foot tall, dead skinny and just amazing. I'll be like, I can't see this today. And I'll just unfollow them. Um, or like, but I, you know, I think Instagram and all that people like to put very much on the best version of themselves all the time. Like I'm not going to put a picture on of me with three chins and like greasy hair and all that. Not all the time. But then I think now people are trying to bring more of that into it. Like there's all these like no makeup selfies and all that, which I think is such a good thing to, for people to see is that a lot of reality people are just normal as well, which is nice. Um, but yeah, I think, I think there's pros and cons to it both, but I don't think Instagram is like ruining life. I think people just need to realize that it's not real. That's the main thing. Now, the, we've been talking for nearly an hour. <laughs> yeah. I, which is fine because I don't mind because we've just, I could just sit and talk to you all day, which is great. But um, <laughs> Sorry, no, I told sorry. you I could talk. <laughs> no, it's not your fault. But one last question I want to ask is, would you change any of this, this whole thing of going through this reality television way? It seems like you were heading down that way anyway with going to like musical theatre school and things like yeah. that anyway. Because if you'd ended up on the stage, there's usually that different way. But Yeah, I think I'd love to do acting, like straight acting. Um, that was like my goal. Um, well, I was, I was really a dancer, but then I was like, no, I actually just found a love for acting. And now it's annoying because my manager's like, mm, the thing is, is everybody knows you as Gabby from Love Island. Like it's going to be on my tombstone. Tomb? Gravestone. <laughs> I want a tomb, please. <laughs> a whole tomb. <laughs> a whole <laughs> um, But yeah, so I'm Gabby from Love Island, um, which I'm trying to like come away from a little bit. Like I want to be known for that, but I want to be known as Gabby rather than that. Um so but it, the, I know there are there, there are other Love Island stars. Is it Olivia? She's on um, nine to five. No, that's Amber. Not, uh, Amber, sorry, Amber's on nine. Yeah, to, but it's uh, theatre. Yeah. I feel like theatre. You break down the fourth wall anyway, so you just automat like yeah. automatically do the transition. Whereas I want to do like TV, um, which is apparently it's difficult to get into. It's difficult to get into for anyone anyway, yeah. as you know. Um, but being like already known for being who you, like I mean I know it's not reality but like Harry Potter every other film that he's been in I'm like why is Harry Potter someone else I know what you mean yeah <laughs> you know what I mean um so that's so the I mean, only would, thing so would you have gone back and if if that's the only thing that you would have gone back and if, if I wouldn't I wouldn't go back and change it because I, I I might probably would still be a struggling actress working in Byron Hamburgers <laughs> which I worked at before it's really good by the way um but yeah or I wouldn't change anything I would I'd maybe when I was in Love Island I think I'd be more of myself I feel like I wasn't all myself people that say that you forget the cameras are there that you don't like you can hear them move for god's sake you can hear the cameraman farting like it, you don't know that you don't forget that they're there but so that's a bit frustrating for me like the girls this year were talking about it yesterday they're like I'd kick myself if I if I wasn't completely myself and it's true. Now I'm like, oh, there's some things. Like I wish I didn't let the girls walk all, like, walk all over us a little bit. But the, do you know what it's interesting you're saying about you can hear everyone going around? The question that's been on my lips that I forgot to ask is what, what happens on a Saturday? Because that's the day they don't film. So I guess that's Friday. Does it just go quiet or does it? So no, Saturday's the day they, they, they don't, don't film. film. Yeah. So then so they'll use the footage from Friday for Sunday. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So... We'd go out on spa days. We'd go and get really? our hair. Yeah. Some Spanish woman bleached my head within an inch of its life. No wonder I literally came back and had to basically shave my head. Um, yeah, we'd go and get our nails done and all that, but we weren't allowed to talk about anything. So we'd literally have chaperones next to us and we'd have to talk about what your favourite colour is. Like you wouldn't be able to mention anything about the boys or anything that they would deem you Good could, TV. You could, you could put it on the television. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. So the girls and boys would be separated. Um, so you wouldn't be able to do it now. Um, yeah, we'd go for like, we went, for, oh, there was one time we went for lunch and we, um, all the girls like stole limoncello from the bar because we weren't allowed to drink. <laughs> oh, right. that that strict as well? Um, yeah, yeah. We had like chaperones and then the next minute all the girls come back. I don't think I did it, but the girls come back and they were like, woo, shots. And the, we got really told off by the producers. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but yeah, so that's what we used to do. Well, thank you so, so much for coming in. It's been so nice to chat to you. I hope you found it. Um, someone, we let, someone left a review um, on yeah, iTunes the other day saying that listening to this was like therapy, but like this seems so nice because we've just chatted yeah. nice things. Thanks. The um, I've loved it. As you, as you know, I can talk a lot. I think it was this coffee. 
It was like rocket fuel. <laughs> <laughs> um, and your book, um, I saw it on Amazon. Um, it's reduced on Amazon to 10 quid. So um, if that's still on, get on Amazon and get it, which I'm going to do. Um, but that's great. So thank you for, for chatting Thank you for having me. I loved it.